Well, take two here. Good morning. Great to see you as we gather, uh, gather together and begin a new series this morning, uh, working our way towards Easter. And uh, I just uh, love this time of the year. I love just uh, focusing my attention on the cross and upon the Lord's love for us and his suffering and, and how much he uh, loves us and how he demonstrated that by going to the cross and paying the price for our sins. And we're going to be in a Sunday morning series preparing our hearts to uh, really preparing our hearts for bow the knee, preparing our hearts for the resurrection for Easter Sunday. And it is a, a series that I've just entitled Knowing Jesus, Knowing Jesus. It comes from a song that meant a lot to me back going back in the, the 90s. It came out of the Promise Keepers movement. And uh, how many of you men were, you were a part of a Promise Keepers, like an accountability group, or you went to a conference or something like that? Yeah. Uh, knowing, knowing Jesus flowed out of that movement. And I watched my father, I, I watched him be uh, impacted by Christ in a mighty way during that time and during that movement. Um, my father, uh, I, I believe, was, was a believer. He was a Christian but he was pretty casual in his faith. And I just saw him go from a, a casual Christian to uh, someone who was, as we used to say, on fire for Jesus through what God was doing through the Promise Keepers movement. He was meeting with guys on a weekly basis in accountability groups. And he was in the men's choir at church. And I just saw Jesus really get a hold of my father during that time. And uh, one of the songs that came forth out of that uh, movement was... Uh, the song, Knowing Jesus. And the words of that song, the chorus of that song says, Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. You believe that knowing Jesus is the greatest thing we can experience in life, would you just say amen this morning? We want to make sure that you know Jesus. That's I consider to be the most important task that God's given me as a pastor is to make sure that you really know Jesus, that you're not just a religious person. God is not into you having religion. God's into you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's the most important task I think God's given me. And this series is designed to help us make sure that we know Jesus, that we've encountered uh, the risen Savior. And we're going to begin this morning in, in what's going to be a, a part one of two, okay? So if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to John chapter 3 this morning. Uh, John chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. And again, we won't be able to get through everything, so next week we'll come back and catch up. Uh, by the way, next week, you don't want to miss next week, it is a, a combined service. Uh, it's going to be uh, here in the, uh, the gym. We're going to all be together at 1030. It'll be a 930 Sunday school, 1030 worship. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And so I uh, hope that you'll be a part of that service and then part two of this message here this morning. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 detail a religious man coming to Jesus, a man who was genuine, who was sincere, 
but a man I, I don't think had salvation, had not experienced Jesus. He was curious. He was a religious leader, and I think he was unsatisfied with, with his religion. And, and so he's seeking a little something more, and he knows there's something about Jesus that's unique, that's special, and that draws him to the Lord. And so John chapter 3 and 1 says, There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus answered or asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal Life And all God's people said, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Now the first thing I want you to notice from this text that we've read this morning is Nicodemus coming and, and seeking Jesus in, in genuineness. He was sincere. He was genuine in his seeking the Lord. Now, Nicodemus was, we gather from Scripture, a religious man. Part of the religious elite of Jesus' day. He's a teacher. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. That was the Jewish ruling council. And he had given his life to studying the law. To, to, know, to knowing the word of God. The traditions of faith. He was well respected. Uh, he was admired. He's someone that uh, those in the religious community would have looked up to. He was a role model. But it's very clear that he's not satisfied with where he's at. That he's, he's curious. That he's coming to Jesus curious because he's sensing that, that something is missing in his life. It's clear, I believe, that he's genuine in how he addresses Jesus. Look with me in your Bible, if you would, in verse 1 and 2. In verse 2 of your Bible, it says that he addresses Jesus as rabbi. 
it's, 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 it's a sign. It's a sign that he has deep admiration for Jesus. One who most Pharisees would have just considered a commoner. Nicodemus addresses him with a term of respect. Rabbi, teacher. He's willing to admit that Jesus may have something to offer him. Something that he can Learn Verse 2 of your Bible as well. He clearly identifies that Jesus has come from God. He says, it's very clear you're a teacher who has come from God. He admits that there are some divine uh, evidence of God's hand upon his life. He says, no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. But what's interesting is that the Bible says that Nicodemus comes at Night. Look with me in your Bible, if you would, in verse 2. It says, he came to Jesus at night. And I, and I think while the Bible doesn't tell us why he came at night, I do believe that there's some significance to his coming at night. And I believe that one of the, the pieces of significance of him coming at night is that, in a sense, he, he didn't want this out in the open he, he didn't want to be seen as a Pharisee, as a religious teacher. He didn't want to be seen with Jesus. And he certainly didn't want to be seen in a posture where he's there to learn something from Jesus. And it's likely at nighttime he could go and he could kind of be more secret about it, right? And so there's a sense in which we might say he's slightly ashamed or he's slightly embarrassed to come and speak to Jesus because he does it at night when not many people are going to see him with Jesus. Nicodemus comes embarrassed, perhaps. Nicodemus comes ashamed, but he comes anyway. And church, I want to say with this Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night... I am so thankful that it doesn't matter uh, for, for, for us. It doesn't matter why we come to Jesus or why we come to church. Some of us, maybe the first time we came to church, the first time that we got into the presence of God, we might not have been coming there for the right reason. We might not have had the right motive. Um, I, I think back to, to being a kid, and some of you may say, I got the same testimony as you, Brother Kevin. Uh, I'm one of those. How many of you were like me? I'm one of those that had a drug problem as a kid, huh? How many of you had a drug problem as a kid? I'm not talking about substance abuse this morning. Amen, somebody? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how, how many of you were drugged to church on Sunday morning, drugged to church on Sunday night, drugged to church on Wednesday night, drugged to mission friends, drugged to RAs, drugged to church every time the doors were open. Let me see your hands, huh? You had a drug problem when you were growing up, Right? I used to think my parents were so mean for making me go to church. And I'm thankful for those parents today. Because going to church, going to vacation Bible school, and going to mission friends, and going to RAs, and going to Sunday school, while many times I was there in body but not there in spirit, 
I heard the gospel and I got in the presence of God and God visited me over and over again and spoke to my heart even though I didn't want to go and I didn't want to be there. And if I had a choice, I would not have got up and gone to church on Sunday morning, but I'm thankful for mean parents who made me go. Amen? We need more mean parents in our world today. Can I get an amen? We need more mean parents. We're seeing a shift and a movement in our world, especially our nation today, where kids are playing the role of parents, and parents are playing the role of kids. And many parents will not take their child to church if the child doesn't want to go. And my friends, I want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, we need a revival in our nation of parents being parents again. Parents leading their children to do the things that they know they ought to do, whether it's eating their vegetables, brushing their teeth every night, or going to church. We need parents to be parents again in America. I don't, I don't care why you came. What I love is how Jesus meets us where we're at. Do you see that? Jesus meets us where we're at. I know people that started going to church for business reasons. Got connections in their business and it was good for them. And Jesus got a hold of them. Amen. I know people who came to church for a girl or a boy. huh? They were coming to church for, for a girl or a boy. And Jesus got a hold of them and changed their life. Doesn't matter how you come. I love the grace of God that meets us where we are. And that's exactly what happened here with Nicodemus. Jesus knows he's coming ashamed. Jesus knows he's coming slightly embarrassed, but Jesus meets him anyways. And Jesus still does that today with us. If you look in verse 3 of your Bible, the response that Jesus gives to Nicodemus, and you see this many times in the Bible, it almost doesn't seem to match what we see in the verses before it. Verse 3, after Nicodemus admitting that Jesus is a teacher who's come from God, admitting, verse 2, no one, no one can perform the signs you're, you're doing if, if God were not with him. So, so Nicodemus kind of is noticing some things, but look at Jesus' response in verse 3 of your Bible. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And you read that, and, and, and you, you, if you're honest, I think you may struggle a little bit from the outset. How, how does that completely match with what Nicodemus has just said? But understand this in the Bible, that Jesus who knows all things, and who, Jesus who knows the heart of, of men and women, knows best how to, to take a question and, and be able to answer that question, but also take us from where we are to where we need to go. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's leading Nicodemus to understanding that you're, you're not going to understand these things until you trust in me, until you have faith in me, that, that your eyes are going to be darkened and dimmed, that you're not going to understand things until you trust me, until you're born again. And that's what he's saying in verse 3. Very truly, no one can see... Or no one can understand the kingdom of God unless they come with simple childlike faith and trust. 
and believe in the Lord. And, and then when we do that, uh, our hearts are made new. And we have a new nature. And our eyes are open. And until that happens, we're, we're just going to be kind of stumbling around in the dark and, and unable to see. And, and things get kind of rough. And things get kind of rocky when we're not able to see. That, thus, we must be born again. We must have our eyes open. If not, we're going to stumble around in the darkness. And, and it can be kind of ugly sometimes. There was a church that tells the story of how when someone couldn't see, it actually got kind of humorous. A church tells the story about a man by the name of Walter. And Walter was always going to sleep during the church service. I mean, it didn't take long at all. Typically, a few minutes into the sermon is when it hit him. Uh, he took off and went to sleep, and he just started sawing logs. And Walter was known for that in the church, as the man who just always fell asleep in church. Well, one night in the evening service, while Walter was sawing logs, there was a power outage and the lights went out. And with the lights out and people making all kinds of commotion, it never disturbed Walter. He just kept on sleeping until the noise woke him up. And guess what, church? He didn't know the lights had gone out. And so Walter woke up and Walter thought he was blind. And Walter got up with people scrambling around and said, Help me! Help me! I'm blind! I can't see a thing. <laughs> and the church to this day, you can imagine, you know churches, they don't let Walter forget about that. Amen? They thought that was pretty comical that Walter woke up and Walter stumbling around thought he had lost his eyesight when the power had just gone out. It can be kind of ugly, it can be kind of messy, maybe even a little embarrassing when we can't see. And Jesus knows that Nicodemus' eyes are closed and darkened to understanding the things of God because he's never had simple childlike faith or trust in Christ. And so that's where Jesus is leading him. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Verse 4. Nicodemus, watch him think naturally. Watch him go straight to the natural. He's not ready for the supernatural. His eyes are still closed. Look at verse 4. How can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He goes natural. He's only thinking of natural birth. He can't understand supernatural birth, even though this is a concept that was recorded in the Old Testament scriptures. He's natural. He's going natural. He cannot understand this concept of being spiritually born again. He's thinking with his, his head. He's, he, he's thinking with his head. He's thinking naturally. And still people today, still people today, when you have spiritual conversations with some people, their eyes are darkened. They do not understand what it means to be born again or to be saved or, or to rest your faith and trust on the Lord Jesus Christ alone. I still talk to so many people when I'm out and about and knocking on doors and inviting people to church and sharing my faith. When you talk about 
uh, being saved and the concept of being saved, still so many people don't get it. You, you know in conversations you've had, so many people when you talk about being right with God, they go natural even today. They, they may talk about the church they attended as a kid. They may talk about the fact that their mama or their daddy was very in, involved in, in, in the church. Maybe their dad or mom had a leadership position. They may mention an experience that's happened long ago of walking an aisle when there's been no evidence or no fruit in their life ever since then that they know the Lord, but they'll go natural. And, and I want us to understand this morning that what God does in our heart and God does in our life yes it it happens in our head as we understand the gospel but if it happens just in our head and it never trickles down to our heart we can be walking about in darkness never saved never born again and we can miss out on heaven going natural here's the deal this morning God wants you to have your own personal faith relationship with Jesus. In fact, that's the only way you can get in. I'm so thankful that your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa were involved in the church. But how many of you know this morning that what my mama, daddy, or grandma, grandpa did is not going to get me into heaven? Amen? That my mama, my daddy don't have the keys to heaven. My grandma, my grandpa don't have the keys to heaven. There's only one that has the keys to heaven this morning and his name is Jesus Christ. And you've got to have your own personal relationship with him. You can't go natural in this. I go to church. I have parents who were involved. I walked an aisle. I signed a pledge card. I was baptized. Those things are good things. And it's okay if you've done those things. But do not rest on those things to give you assurance of your faith. Your faith must be founded in the person of Jesus Christ alone. And so Nicodemus is struggling to understand this. He says, how can a person be born again when they're old? Can they go back into their mother's womb? And then Jesus in verse 5 says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of the water and the spirit. By the way, church, this is getting into a region where we'll, we'll, we'll study it deeper next week when we're together. But what I want you to see Jesus doing in verses 5 through 8 is explaining more uh, salvation as new birth and comparing the work of the Spirit of God with the wind and the blowing of the wind. And so if you'll look with me here, uh, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of the water, uh, born of water and spirit. There's a number, Bible scholars have a number of different takes on what is that born of water. Born of water and the spirit. Spirit we get, that's the born again experience that happens at salvation. But what is this water, born of water and the Spirit? There's a number of answers that are given on this. Uh, Some wrongly, listen, some have wrongly believed that this must be baptism. And yet the Bible clearly teaches that baptism does not save us. It's faith in Christ that saves us. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says it's by grace through faith. That we've been saved, not of works, right? Not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. So the Bible clearly teaches that baptism does not save us. So that can't be what this means. 
Others have said, well, maybe it's the the breaking of of water in physical birth. And Jesus is saying, uh, unless you're born physically and spiritually, you can't get into the kingdom of God. That's a possibility. It's a possibility that he speaks in a double way to the Holy Spirit. Certainly water is associated throughout Scripture with the Holy Spirit. But I believe that it might be best to understand this as the Word of God. Unless you're born again by the Word of God, that's how we get the message, the gospel message is through the revelation of the Word of God. It may be that Jesus is saying, unless you're born again through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you can't see the kingdom of God. We see the connection between water and the Word of God in a lot of places. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26 is one. It says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. Jesus goes on and says, flesh gives birth to flesh. In other words, those born to human parents uh, inherit a sin nature. But those born of God inherit the spiritual nature, the born-again nature. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And then Jesus says, verse 7, You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Again, he's a teacher. He's a leader. He just ought to know these things. And then verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Again, we'll get into more of this next Sunday, but Jesus is speaking of the mystery, the mystery of salvation. That that as the wind kind of blows here and there, and we, we can't see the wind, we can see the effects of the wind. We can't see the wind. So is the Holy Spirit and the work of God upon a human heart. And salvation or the forgiveness of sins indeed is a divine mystery. It's difficult, if not impossible, for the human mind to grasp or comprehend. It must be accepted by faith. And then Jesus goes in, and I believe what he does through the rest of this passage that we have read, verses 9 through 17, Jesus calls Nicodemus' attention off from himself, off from his religion, off from natural birth. By the way, Nicodemus and many, many, many would have thought, many Pharisees would have thought to be born as a child of Abraham is to be saved. You're, you're, you're born saved. You're born in the kingdom of God by that physical birth, by that natural birth. And Jesus is going to take his eyes off of himself and we're going to see him seek to move Nicodemus to putting his eyes on Jesus. That's where John 3, 16 and 17 come from. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And what Jesus is doing through his encounter with Nicodemus, I pray he's doing in his Spirit's encounter with you this morning. Leading you to recognize That God has given us a way of salvation this morning. That God has given us a way to have our sins forgiven. And that way is found through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is the way to the Father. The Bible teaches, uh, uh, John chapter 14 and 6, Jesus said of himself. You know this. In fact, let me ask if you can finish this. I am the way and the 
truth, and the life. He goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. That was the message the early church took. Acts chapter 4 and 12. Peter says when he was being called into account for preaching Jesus, Peter said, I can't help but preach about the things I've seen and the things I've heard. For there's, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the only way to God. It's a, it's a, it's, that's the gospel, and that's the gospel that we must proclaim no matter what anybody says about it. I love the story about Billy Graham who was in South Carolina at a crusade. And he had uh, some mail he needed to deliver. And so he drives downtown looking for a post office in a town he's never been. And as he's driving around there and can't find the post office, there's a little boy on the sidewalk. And Billy Graham hollers out and says, Young man, could you please tell me how to get to the post office? And the young man began to explain exactly how he could get to the post office. And Billy Graham said, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Young man, if you'll come out to Central Baptist Church tonight... I'll tell you how to get to heaven. Little boy said, I don't think I want to come here. You talk about how to get to heaven. You don't even know how to get to the post office. The Bible indeed proclaims that when our life is over, we're not going to the post office. Amen. We're going to either heaven or we're going to hell. And there's no in-between place. And God has given us Life and God's given us salvation. God's given us the greatest gift that we'll ever receive through His Son, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Again, we'll catch up more on this uh, next week, but one of the things that we find with Nicodemus, here's the good news, he gets it. In time, he gets it. For we see that when Jesus is crucified and when Jesus is buried, Nicodemus is right there to care for his body. Right along with Joseph of Arimathea. In fact, uh, Nicodemus brings an incredible amount of spices to anoint the body of Christ. An incredibly generous offer from Nicodemus at a time when Jesus is taken down from the cross and all of his disciples, all of his friends had forsaken him. Nicodemus is there. Nicodemus got it. And we pray that you get it. Not religion. God doesn't want you to get religion. God wants you to get a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. And it's tragic to say that many people miss heaven by eight, about 18 inches. The difference between their head and their heart. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot go to heaven unless you've been born again. How does that happen? Through belief and surrender and faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Do you get it? Say, got it. Good. We head into our time of, of invitation this morning as we think about how heaven is real, hell is real, that tomorrow's not promised. 
as we think about how we're going to stand before God when our life is over and making sure that we clearly understand what it's going to take to, to get into heaven. I thought some this past week about something that's been on my mind a little bit. Maybe it's been on your mind a little bit. It's a sporting event much like the Super Bowl that kind of seems to transcend the sports world. Even those that aren't sports fans this time of the year start talking about brackets. How many of you raise your hands if you have filled out a bracket? All right. Raise your hand if you filled out more than one bracket. Let me see your hand so that no matter who wins, you can say, I got them in my bracket. Right? Um, it's one of it's the, the March Madden. How many of you almost thought you might have to crumble your bracket up yesterday in the Kentucky game, huh? Yeah. Uh, was looking bad, wasn't it? Uh, March Madness, the brackets, it, like the Super Bowl, it kind of transcends the sports world. And people that know nothing about sports or college basketball are filling out a bracket. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's interesting that uh, Warren Buffett for, for years has offered a, a, a million dollars a year for the rest of the lo- their life to any of his employees, it's employees only, by the way, uh, any of his employees that can pick a perfect bracket, they win a million dollars a year for every year of the rest of their life. And so I tune in every year to kind of find out, you know, who, if anybody wins and who got the closest and that sort of thing. Nobody's ever won it. In fact, a mathematician has said that the odds of filling out a perfect bracket are 1 in 2.4 trillion. That's the odds of filling out a perfect bracket. 1 in 2.4 trillion. I got to thinking, what if the only way we could get into heaven was to fill out a perfect bracket one year? Wouldn't that be the worst of news, church? A 1 in 2.4 trillion odds, and that, that's what we had to wind up on to get into heaven. Did you know that it's even harder? In fact, it's impossible to get into heaven on your own. The Bible says, Romans 3 and, and 10, that there's none righteous. There's no, not one. The odds of you getting in, into heaven on your own, zero. Nobody is going to get into heaven on their own. But the gospel says that someone has come and he has filled out a perfect bracket for us. And his name is Jesus Christ. That he's lived a perfect life. And he's died on the cross a perfect death. And he rose again on the third day. And when you stand before Almighty God to give an account of your life, if you'll believe and trust in Jesus, you can get into heaven on his bracket. Amen? That's why you must be born again this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If not, why not? Why would you want to take such a risk and such a gamble going out into all eternity not knowing that your sins are forgiven? Jesus has said today that we must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. I want to ask you, has there ever been a time and place in your life Where you've drawn a line in the sand and said yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I believe you love me. Jesus, I believe you gave your life for me. 
Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead and I give you my heart and I give you my sins. I I give you my life. I give you my eternity. If not, you can do that now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You can out loud or in your heart, you can say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm a sinner. But you love me anyway. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, help me to turn from my sin. and Help me to turn to you. Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe you rose again on the third day. And now I give you my heart. I give you my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, thank you for heaven. Jesus, thank you for forgiveness. Jesus, thank you I'm born again. Now, Jesus, help me to go public with my faith. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. It may be that somebody's prayed that prayer for the first time in their life and they've been gloriously saved and they, they feel this newness and this freshness and, and something's changed in them. If that's you, don't keep that to yourself. Tell somebody. And that can start this morning during our time of invitation. Our invitation is a time to tell people what God has done in your life, what God's doing in your life. So if God saved you or if you still have questions as we stand and sing, would you come forward? I'd, I'd love to pray with you. love to share with you more about what it means to know Christ and follow Christ. You hear him, just be obedient as we stand and as we sing. You come if God saved you. If God's speaking to you, you come this morning as we sing.